Right. Please open your Bibles to <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. If you're a guest with us, we are in an ongoing study of the book of Second Timothy, and what we do is we just uh, take it one chapter at a time, one passage at a time. Uh, it hasn't happened quite yet, but I can see it coming. Uh, just maybe even one verse at a time, or even just a part of a verse. Depends on what what's going on there, how much explanation is required. But we're in 2 Timothy. If you need a Bible, there's one provided under one of the chairs in front of you. A study sheet will help you today. Uh, so if you need one, just raise your hand. The ushers are in the aisles, but you have to get their attention. So if you'll just raise your, your hand, that'd be good. They'll bring one to you. The title of today's message is Suffering Shamelessly. Say that fast three times. Suffering. Yeah. Suffering Shamelessly. Really changing your perspective. And that's what this is all about today. I love preaching through expositionally because God brings up subjects that I normally may not want to talk about, may not want to discuss. <clears throat> but it's there, and it needs to be considered. Our text is 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 12. You guys cold in here today? You guys real cold in here? Well, I've just created a division. So everybody cold over or sit on this side. Everybody... Uh, you know, if I feel cold up here or in the lights and up above, I feel like maybe it's cold down. I'm just trying to be sensitive to you. So Keith is to blame. So, uh, so if it gets too warm, somebody just uh, go like this. Go like this. Oh, no, I shouldn't tell them our signs, should I, Keith? Oh, all right. So when I go like this to Keith, it means... We gotta get it warmer. If I go like this, it's too hot. So we have, it's like a baseball manager, huh? <laughs> Giving signs to everybody. All right, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12 is our text today, and it's very interesting text. Last week's message on your study sheet addressed our need to press forward fearlessly, and I think we all needed to be reminded of that. As a matter of fact, uh, verse uh, 7, verses 6 and 7 was the theme, and uh, verse 7 is certainly some uh, or a verse that we would want to memorize. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we addressed that last week, and it was about being fearless or, or, or dealing with the, spirits, or the spirit that God gave us, power and love and a sound mind, and not to live in fear. Today's text reveals another specific issue that can paralyze anyone in any work for Christ. And it's shame. Shame. Paul explains to Timothy that suffering, suffering for Jesus is not what it seems. That the young pastor, Timothy, is not looking at this issue from the right perspective. That's why Paul wrote it. That he too will have to face trouble, as if he wasn't already, but that he too would have to face trouble and learn to endure afflictions. These truths are so relevant that God chose to preserve them for us 
so we can examine ourselves effectively and have a more meaningful Christian life experience no matter what our state. Why don't you follow along as I read today's text, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. He's writing to Timothy. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's pray. Father, those are very beautiful words. I'm very thankful for this. And uh, very thankful that you preserved these words for us, that we could hide them in our heart, that we might not sin against you, true, but that we might uh, feel your presence even more as we respond to these words by faith, believe them. So uh, please uh, have control of things today. May I only say the things that you want and not say the things that you don't. And may every heart hear what you have to say to them personally. And Lord, may you uh, have your way with our church. <clears throat> we love you and we thank you. And we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this subject of suffering and shame, and I would say more so of shame, is huge. It's a huge issue, but something nobody ever wants to admit. After all, Jesus died for us because He loves us, right? And He's not ashamed of us, but He sure could be, couldn't He? But He's not. And let me qualify this, this whole subject today. There are some people, and there are some people among us, that you're just so bold in, in the way that you operate and the way you think that you don't have to deal too much with this type of shame that Paul is dealing with Timothy on, a shame of Christ, being ashamed of Christ, or being ashamed of Paul, or how that translates for us would be other saints that are faithful serving the Lord. And some of you in here, I would say, you just don't have that spirit about you. You've got a gift, uh, that gift of faith, uh, that just a little bit of extra, because God has some things that He wants you to do. And, and so, you need, when you're hearing these things today, you need to consider this and how it would apply to you. Because for some few, this isn't an issue, but really, for most, it is an issue. It's obviously an issue for the pastor, Timothy. 
And so Paul deals with it here. Uh, For example, when we consider being ashamed of Jesus Christ, we would tend to feel terrible about that. Wouldn't we? And we don't even want, want to admit that. We would never even want to speak it out loud. If you're with a lost crowd that does not perceive things from a biblical standpoint, it can seem very intimidating to speak up for Jesus Christ, right? I mean, you got to wait for the right moment and all that. I get that. But all that, those details aside, it can be very intimidating to speak up about Jesus and the gospel because we know that it could lead us in that particular peer group that we might find ourselves in at school or work or the neighborhood or wherever. It could lead us to be embarrassed or humiliated or some type of trouble or maybe even persecution. Are you guys tracking with me? I mean, it's just the truth. And yet God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I've got to remember that all the time. And last week we talked about this, right? If you remember last week I shared, I didn't share the most fearful experience that I've ever uh, had uh, in serving the Lord, but I shared one of them when I uh, uh, did a funeral in a Catholic church. And I've done that twice already. And uh, boy, I shared the one event with you and kind of worked you through that, right? You guys remember that, that we're here last week? Little did I know that the very next, that very afternoon, that I would have the, the privilege of unfolding the gospel in an incredible way. Actually, we did, didn't we? Elizabeth and Devin and Aaron. To folks that are Catholic, Elizabeth's grandma and grandpa, and uh, something happened there. And her grandfather was at his deathbed, and her grandfather passed from this world to the next, knowing Christ. And so guess what? Guess what I get to do? I get to go to a Catholic church on Tuesday morning and preach the gospel again. And I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) But not that scared. Like I said last week, I've been given the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that strange how things like that work out? Isn't that strange how things like that work out? Incredible. I would have addressed Amanda, that was her dad. She's not in here right now. She's serving, and Matt is not in here either. So I just picked on you, Elizabeth. But incredible. So Paul just told that to Timothy, and then he he transitions or moves into this other serious point. You know, a typical result of fear for speaking up or speaking out about Jesus is suffering. Is that not our fear? Now, it might not be, you know, you're going to be executed like Paul, but it's a fear. It's a a fear that we have of of being alienated from our peer group or whatever, made fun of. When I was a when I was young, growing up in the city, 
Man, I'm just telling you, if you did something that was awkward or odd in your peer group, we've all experienced this, haven't we? I mean, you'd be, and my friends, you weren't going to want to call them friends, they would just humiliate you. You guys with me on that? Did you guys ever experience that? And so there was a fear, a natural fear inside of you to stay back from those kinds of things, right? And we carry that on throughout life. And this is what Paul is addressing here with Timothy. Timothy's looking at Paul and he's going to die. And Timothy thinks, man, this could be in my future. And, and so it's easy then to do something. See, the result of Paul's ministry was suffering. He was about to be executed for the testimony of Jesus Christ and for the Word of God. Shame or fear of being shamed will cause you to let go of those two things, to set them aside. Not, not that you don't care. It's not that you're ashamed of Jesus. It's that you're fearful of being shamed. For the testimony of Jesus, the gospel, and for speaking up about what's true. Right? So, rather than laying the sole blame on fear, he now tells Timothy... The underlying real issue is shame. That he's actually ashamed of Jesus Christ. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. We'll talk about that later. The real issue is shame. He's actually ashamed of Christ in these circumstances. And let's be honest. It's not easy to admit that, is it? Is it easy to admit that? It's like, it's like admitting that you're a liar. How do you feel about that? So, I thought, let's conduct a little exercise today. All right, you ready? You going to participate? All right, no. Somebody say no? Okay, well, that's okay. We'll just highlight you then today. You'll regret that. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever told a lie? If you've told a lie, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Now, what do you call somebody that tells a lie? A liar. Okay. So all you that raise your hand. Okay, so would you join in with me by saying, I... I'm a liar. That's not easy to do, is it? Or how about this? I, uh, I tell lies. Why don't you say that? Mm, how's that feel? Most of you are quiet. Well, he said to do that, so, so I don't really mean that. I'm just going along with the crowd. Or how about this? How about if I ask you to say, you know, I... I've lied recently. Oh, well, well, uh, well, it was just, well, it was just a small lie. Or, uh, well, you know, actually, I was at work and a customer asked me this, and it was really more of a misrepresentation. Or, the check is in the mail. I mean, we got... We will all admit, yes, I've told a lie. You know, when I was a small child, a long time ago. 
See, right now, you're very uncomfortable, but not as uncomfortable as I am. <laughs> no, really, you're uncomfortable with that. You're uncomfortable to admit that, and if you will admit it, you always want to qualify it by explaining it so you don't feel quite as bad. Hello? Yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, being ashamed of Jesus Christ is a lot like that. You don't want to admit it. Now again, some believers have this extra dose of faith in, in that they have this innate ability to be bold without, without a lot of fear. But Timothy, he, he doesn't have that. He deals with these things. How many of you want to stand up for Christ more, but out of fear you'll tend to back out? How many of you are like that? I'm like that at times. Pretend. Well, the reason is not always simply fear of suffering in some form, uh, embarrassment, humiliation, trouble, even persecution. It could be a lack of preparedness. I get it. But rather, it's because we're ashamed of Jesus Christ. That's not easy to admit. I will say this, as I've been preparing for this all week, I've been practicing being honest with God. And even in my honesty with God, I will say, I'm ashamed and I fear being shamed for Jesus Christ at times to make myself feel better. This is a hard subject. I got a call uh, yesterday, just out of the blue, from a guy named Joe Marshall. Uh, remember the sign guy, the scripture sign guy? He just called me to see how, hey, preacher, how you doing? What's going on? Just seeing if I need to make another trip and give away signs, scriptures. You guys know what I'm talking about? Scripture signs, right? Okay. Now, before I say what I'm going to say, look, I may care about certain things that you do, but I don't care about uh, whether you have a scripture sign in your yard. I'm not going to judge your spirituality on that. I'm not going to do it. So it's not like I'm working you on this issue. Okay, and I mean that. Okay, that being said, how many of you wouldn't put a sign in your front yard because you want to draw that much attention to yourself? Huh? How many of you wouldn't put one in your front yard because, well, you know what? My neighbors know I'm a believer. Well, wouldn't it be something if they could read every single day they pull into their driveway that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin? Wouldn't that be really something? wonder what that would do in their heart. Well, I mean... Joe calls me yesterday, how you doing? He's like, hey, you know, and he said, I'm just getting older, getting slower. He said, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder, he didn't say it quite this way, but if, you know, this really matters. And I said, Joe, knock it off. You give us the ability with your sign, your little scripture signs, to publish the gospel thousands and thousands of maybe more opportunities than we have any other time. He's like, 
yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's true, isn't it? But a lot of people, and again, I've already qualified this. I'm not, if you don't put one in your front yard, I, fine. But why won't you put one in your front yard? That's the question. If you got a reason for not doing it, fine. I don't even need to know. I'll just, hey, I love you, and I'm not judging you on it. I'm just using this as an illustration to prove that could it be, could it be you also are ashamed of Jesus Christ or afraid of being shamed for the testimony of the Lord? Hmm. Could it be? See, if we're not honest about it, if we're not honest about it, then there can't be anything that can happen in your life that will resolve this issue and give you freedom. Think about that. If somebody isn't going to admit they've got a problem, and yet they've got a problem, everybody around them could know. Everybody around them could give them massive amounts of information. But what happens? If they're not willing to receive it and accept it, they're never going to change, right? So you got to be honest about this issue. So today Paul helps us by pointing this out and then encourages us to overcome it. So number one, yeah, this was the introduction. How do you go, whoa, whoa. All right, so he shows us how to be unashamed of the Lord's testimony. So let's look at this. This is an unusual way to look at things. And so this is an incredible prescription to help you if you'll be honest that your real issue is you're ashamed of Christ in, in what I mean by that is you're, you're afraid of being shamed for Christ's sake. You don't want to draw that much attention to yourself. So here's a prescription. Be a partaker. Be a partaker of the afflictions that go with the gospel. Look in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Instead of being ashamed due to the potential consequences, you know what you do? Well, embrace it. Embrace it! Just grab a hold of that thing. Put your arms around it, as it were. Embrace the possible outcome. Be willing to accept being shamed for Christ, because that's all part of it. Yeah! Be a partaker. Partaker means to join in an activity or action. It's a person that consumes or indulges in something. In other words, jump right in. Go all out. Be a partaker of what? Look at it. The afflictions that go with the gospel. But see, here's the difference. If you will embrace it, you'll be a partaker of it. It's going to be according to the what? Power. Look at the verse. According to the power of God. I think I got the wrong verse reference there. My fault. Verse 8, you can fix that. According to the power of God. After all, He gave you the spirit of power, didn't He? Christian, you have the power of God living inside of you. That means you can be a partaker in the afflictions that go hand in hand with being bold and speaking up for Christ when the open door shows itself. 
I'm not talking about just going out and offending everybody. When, open, when doors open, you guys know what I mean. Don't you walk away from circumstances and go, man, I should have said something. Huh? So you got away. Was I ashamed of Christ? Uh, I, mean, I know there's lots of scenarios that can unfold. I'm not just hanging you out to dry on this issue. But the truth of the matter is, it is present. It's present in my life. It really is. You know, I didn't have a scripture sign in my front yard because uh, 30 feet away, my neighbor had one. And I thought, you know, when, when that sign wears out, I'll put mine up because I want a constant testimony. Well, guess what happened the last couple of weeks? The sign is gone. So I'm out pounding the sign in my front yard. Now I got my, my, my sign out there. And I have to admit, it wasn't that I was ashamed, but when I was putting it in there, I was like, are you guys with me on this? It's a fear of being shamed. So we embrace it. We embrace the afflictions that go with it. What's going to happen? What are my neighbors going to do to me anyways? Huh? They're all older than me. Huh? <laughs> they probably can't shoot straight, so. You know, I, maybe somebody could throw a brick through my front window or something. You know, I don't have a front window, so. It's all right. Right, Andrew? I don't have one. <clears throat> Andrew designed my, did my house design. So, you know, how it works, it's just, it's just that way. So, listen, you got the power living inside of you. You're counted worthy. You're counted worthy to suffer for Christ's name. That's an honor. That is a great honor. And he'll give you the power in your spirit to overcome if you'll only embrace it or take it or partake of it. So the afflictions or possible afflictions in our world, imagine if you lived somewhere in the Middle East, or possible afflictions in our world must be embraced as part of your calling. Look in 2 Timothy. Hold your place here. Look in chapter 2. Look at verse 9. We're going to go on a little scripture ride here. Uh, Paul says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. He was put in prison over this. He suffers trouble. Look in ver down in verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. What? Yeah, it's not talking about losing. Nope, I don't know them. They're going to lose their salvation. No. Look, if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, you put yourself in a situation, really you do, at that moment you put yourself in a situation where fellowship with Jesus Christ is really being interrupted because of that shame. It really is. Think about this. I've had all week to think about it. Or all my Christian life to think about it. So, you know, I, I, I've had, I, if I were, had an opportunity to bless somebody, and yet they were ashamed of me and avoided me and didn't want to do what I, what I needed them to do for whatever reason, then I would, I, I, I would not be in a position to bless them because of their actions. I wouldn't, you know, it would be like my kids. If my kids are ashamed of me, I'm not in, quite in a position to bless them for that. Hello? So you deny him, 
There's a lot of things he'll deny you of. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Blessing being one of them. It's not that he's chumping you or harming you. It's not that at all. It's not that he's removing his love from you. No, not at all. Look in chapter 3. Look in verse 12. You should have this committed to memory. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, uh, maybe, no, shall suffer persecution. If you live for the Lord, you're going to be persecuted, so you might as well embrace it. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. And again, I'm not saying that every single time you're ashamed of Christ, but this is the issue Paul is bringing up to Timothy that we're dealing with today because it is reality. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If you don't know the story, uh, he, that, that's what happened in his life. Uh, number, er, verse 25, Choosing rather to suffer affliction, there's our words, with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen, you need to embrace it. It's a choice. Just choose to embrace it. Just choose to embrace it. You know what? They might be offended, but man, the door is wide open, so here we go. Hello? Here we go. Here we go. You know, I, uh, I missed you last week, John. Uh, and I used the example of preaching at your dad's funeral. And I was talking about how I was fearful beforehand. And then we, if you remember, we sang Amazing Grace. And I tore up my notes to Linda's dismay and walked up with the hymnal and preached through that hymn, Amazing Grace. And I had nine people receive Christ that day. That was an incredible time. And at that moment, I, I didn't have that fear anymore. Because I realized, you know what? This is a great opportunity, isn't it? I remember, it was sad to me when the priests were going around, you know, your dad's casket, and they were, I'm sorry, it's okay. And with the, John and I are really close friends, so I can. And they were going around with incense, literally begging God to take his body. And I was looking at that thinking he ain't there it just seemed religion can't bring you comfort or hope it can't no, only Jesus Christ can only a person can do that so it, it changes things our perspective can change look Jesus experienced these things and look what happened as a result we're saved and the room is full of people that are saved look I needed people to take a chance I needed people to give me a track. I needed to see those scripture signs. All of those things, they mattered. All of them mattered. And whatever trouble anybody got, I got saved. Thank you. Thank you for taking a chance. Thank you for choosing rather to suffer affliction. And maybe it didn't even happen, but you know what? It, what can prevent it from even taking place is shame. Fear of being shamed. And that prevents it from happening when, in fact, in Disney World where we live, yeah, and it is Disney World, isn't it? <laughs> Woke. We, we still probably won't experience a lot of shame. Huh? Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. This whole book is about suffering. 1 Peter 2. 
Look in verse 20. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? What is it? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, and ye take it patiently because you've embraced it, hey, it's just part of the deal. It's part and parcel of the deal. This is what? Acceptable with God. Oh, yeah. I like that. Good job. Good job. Wow. Look in chapter 3, in verse 14 of this same, same book, 1 Peter. Look in four, verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Well, as long as ye embrace it. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Don't, don't be. Verse 17. For it is better... If the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing, why suffer because you did something stupid? Well, yeah, that's just the consequence of it. But when you suffer for serving God or speaking up for God when the door opens for you, man, that's the will of God. He's not wanting you to be hurt or punished or all that, but it's just part of what goes on because the world hates him. They're going to hate you. Get over it. Embrace it. It's really okay. Don't be ashamed. Don't be. Uh, look in chapter 4. Look in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Don't, don't sin and suffer. I mean, just don't do stupid things so you don't suffer. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Here it is. Let him not be, what? Ashamed, because that can keep you from witnessing. So be honest about it. I'm ashamed of Christ. No, I'm not. I, I'm afraid of the trouble. I'm just going to do it. It's not that big a deal. But let him glorify God on this behalf. Suff suffering as a Christian, when you're in the service of the Lord is an opportunity to glorify God. What do you think of that? That's the way we need to see this, Timothy, us. It's an opportunity. Look in uh, uh, verse uh, uh, 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, it's part of the plan. It's not that God is doing this to you. Uh, it's my will that you suffer. No, when you, it's your will that you would stand up for Him and you're going to suffer. So it's His will. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. He's going to look out for you. And if you were in some dangerous place like in the Middle East where you could be killed, then you die and you open your eyes and you're with Jesus. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's easy to say. Look over in, at the church in Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2. The letter, the epistle to the Smyrna church. He says in verse 10, Revelation 2. He says, fear none of those things without which thou shalt, what? Suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison that he may be that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto 
what? Death. And I'll give thee the crown of life. This is Jesus speaking. There's a reward for suffering, folks. It's not like I want to jump in that suffering pool. But there's a reward for that. Jesus understands this. This has been the testimony of Christian saints throughout history. They had the ability to be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And, you know, we're, we're all like this. We all, we'll all admit this. When you hear of Christian martyrs dying for their faith, being burned uh, upside down, uh, uh, being run through with lances, going through all kinds of horrific deaths that we've talked about in our studies over the years. When you think about that, you look at it and go, I don't know. And all they had to do was recant. Recant, I, I, okay, I, I, I don't feel that way. And especially for us, I mean, if we've really genuinely received Christ, we, we, if we genuinely have, he's, we're not going to lose our salvation. So, so, you know, people start thinking when they're considering this issue, well, I, I'm still saved, and so I, would, I wonder if I would do it. Come on, be honest. Do you wonder, would I deny him? Would I deny him? And we'll talk about that in that verse in 2 Timothy. It's not what you think. Will I deny him? Now listen, you're thinking about it right now in a different context. If you were put into that context, you would not deny him because he would give you the power and the grace to do it or to not deny him, to move forward. He would. You don't need it right now. So when we're looking in on that issue, we're like, eh, I don't know if I would. You know what? You would. Because he would give you the power to do it when you needed it. Like I was just talking about. Like I'm asking you to pray about on Tuesday in front of 400 people in a large Catholic church. Hello? I mean, think about it. How could over 50 million followers, they believe estimates during the Dark Ages, thousand-year period of time, which really is about 1,500 years. It gets smaller and smaller when you look at the Internet. But, uh, and they don't even call it that anymore. But estimates are 50 million people were murdered by religious people, by the Roman Catholic Church. Yikes. From the time of Christ until now, let's just say, over 50 million people have been murdered for their faith. They've been martyred for the sake of seeing Christ after their death. If none of this is true, why would they do that? Think of the disciples. I made a list. Simon Peter. He was crucified upside down at his own request as he did not feel worthy to die like his Savior, and he never recanted his faith while dying. His brother Andrew, he was severely scourged and beaten, then tied with ropes and a cross. It took him days to die, and he never turned back his back on Christ while dying. James, the son of Zebedee, you remember him. He was beheaded with a sword in Acts chapter 12. His brother, the apostle John, he was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the testimony of Jesus. Many historic Accounts claim that he was boiled in oil, but he didn't die, and he lived the rest of his life uh, exiled on that island uh, in grievous pain. 
But he never turned his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, while, after that had happened, while he was on that island, he wrote the book of Revelation that we just read, that you're looking at right now. Philip, uh, the evangelist, he was mockingly crucified just like Jesus Christ. Bartholomew, he was beaten and flayed alive. Then his dead body was hung upside down on a cross. Thomas, he was pierced through with a lance by false, idolatrous, heathen priests. Then he was burned alive in a furnace. Matthew, he was brutally hacked to death with an axe. James, the son of Alphaeus, he was thrown off the top of the temple tower and he didn't die from the fall. So Christ's enemies, not his. Christ's enemies, that's the real issue. All religious people, all religious people, clubbed and stoned him to death. Thaddeus, also known as Jude or Labius, he was beaten and mockingly crucified. Simon the Zealot, he was also scourged and crucified in like manner as his Savior, Jesus Christ. These are all Jesus' closest disciples. Context, today's context. What an honor. What an honor that was bestowed upon them. And you know there are people that love God and love Jesus Christ, sincerely, genuinely saved, that wanted to separate themselves from them because they were ashamed of them. Not ashamed like we would define it today, but They were afraid of being connected with them and connected with the testimony of Jesus lest they suffer the same thing. It's shame. Shame. Very powerful. What an incredible testimony that these men had been with Jesus Christ and believed the gospel so much they knew it was true. And hey, kill me. Go ahead. Because I'm just going to see the Lord. Right before the Apostle Paul had lost a very valuable part of his anatomy, his head, he said these words. Go back to 2 Timothy. Look in the last chapter, chapter 4. Look in verse 6. He's a Roman citizen, so he's not going to be crucified. He's going to have his head cut off. Verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. (laughs) I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. (laughs) What do you think of that? He reckoned that his death was a fitting end for his service for Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? So instead of letting fear of shame or being shamed concerning your testimony of Jesus, embrace the potential shaming and potential affliction and consider it just part of your privileged calling for the Lord. Also, 
Know that God has an important call in your life. Verse 9, chapter 1. According to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, which, which of course we believe. God has a calling on your life. This calling, I'm on your study sheet, this calling includes suffering and afflictions. So why avoid it? Why avoid it? This calling is for all who are in Christ. And it was determined before the world began. Hold your place here and turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. This is a scripture that is so twisted. It's why we love writing out the Bible here because... You know, when you hear false things and you ask them where that is in the Bible, nine times out of ten, they don't, it's not in the Bible and they can't tell you. But if they do give you a verse or whatever, you can just write that thing out and go, well, that ain't what it says. Ain't is just a form of emphasis today. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1. Now remember, this whole book is revealing a mystery that you are a steward of. This whole book is all about revealing the mystery of us in Christ, that we're in Jesus Christ, that, that we are, we are in Christ. So when God looks out of heaven, He doesn't see you in all of your sin, no matter what it is, when you receive Christ, you're in Christ, you're in Him, and God sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that's a great honor, isn't it? And this book goes through our wealth and our walk, and, and because we're so rich, because of our faith and our salvation, this is how we should live our life, and it works out through uh, chapters 1 through 3, our wealth, chapters 4, 5, and 6, our walk, and it deals with all different areas of our life, our relationships, everything. It's incredible. It's an incredible book, but the theme of this book is that you're in Christ. And In chapter 2, he talks about you were lost at one point, but when you, receive, when you receive Jesus, your Savior, you're now in Christ. Wow! Isn't that good news? Hello? That's worth waking up for this morning. Huh? That's what this book is all about. Paul, verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. You see, there are saints and then there are Faithful saints. And this book is all about you being a faithful saint. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You see that in verse 1? In Christ Jesus. Verse 3, in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in Christ. How do you get in Christ? By receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you don't, you perish. You didn't get in Christ before the foundation of the world. 
You weren't alive. But man, check it out. In eternity past, before the world began, God had a plan to save that which was lost. That whosoever would believe upon Christ would not perish but have everlasting life, abolishing death, 2 Timothy chapter 1, abolishing death and giving us immortality. That was his plan. I got a plan. That's my plan. I'm going to work it out through the human race. And in this plan forged so long ago, God willed that anyone who would be in Christ would be holy and without blame before Him in love. That was His plan before the world began. That was it. It wasn't that He chose some to be saved and some not. Stupidity. You can't be in Christ when you're not even alive to choose Him. No, 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 no. That's the plan, folks. That was the plan that He had. In other words, it's huge. You get in Christ by humbling yourself and receiving Him as your personal sin bearer. This age-old plan was conceived by the love of God for all men and women and boys and girls. He predestinated all those who would exercise their free will one day and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and that they would be placed into Christ, making us adopted as children of God. And that's all I get out of that? This is according to the good pleasure of His will. Look, He called you by giving you the gospel. Did He call you by giving you the gospel? No matter how you got it. Did you get the gospel? So He called. And you had to, you had to vote <laughs> for Him. You're the elect. You had to to cast your vote. Yes, I believe. So you got called. And after you got called, you know what? He's called you to fulfill His specific plan for your life. Well, how do I know what that is? Well, it's right in here. And when you're a member of a local church and, and you're functioning in your local church, you can figure this out. And now you've got a place where you can unfold this calling. Wow, and part of it is, is to be encouraged and to go out and witness to those that are lost because it's part of His plan before the world began. And they need to have an opportunity to be part of this plan. And that's, that's part of His calling. He called you to Christ, to the gospel. He called you to fulfill a specific plan for His life. Timothy, he's a pastor and a missionary. But shame will keep you from it. Fear will keep you from it. And He called you to suffer afflictions at times and to endure those afflictions. It's part of your calling. It's part of it. This is how we need to see it. It's not, again, it's not that He wants you to suffer, but rather we will suffer because the world hates Him. And there's a a plan going on that's bigger than the world that's motivating all of this. The mystery of iniquity. It's been at work all along trying to usurp, to counter, counterfeit. 
to confound the work of God. That's why. According to this text, this calling became possible because of Christ appearing in the earth at His first coming when He died on the cross. This calling can be realized by anyone if they'll believe the gospel and receive Christ. All these things are true. So what He's trying to tell us through this and what He is telling us is that we are part of an epic plan. Of an epic plan that reaches all the way back. Here it is. That reaches all all the way back to eternity past and goes all the way forward to eternity future forever and ever 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 and ever. This has been a plan that's been in God's heart and mind all along. We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. I'm sorry that there's times I'm ashamed and i got to remember this and it gives me boldness to move forward. What's the worst thing can happen? Why do I have to fear what anybody can do to me or say to me? What do you have to fear about what people think or say about you? At the end of the day, when it comes in service for Christ, who cares? They're lost. They don't even have a right mind. As we saw last week, they're insane. They're mad. That's what the Bible said. We looked at it clearly. It literally said it in Ecclesiastes that lost people are mad. Madness. Insane. So stand up for Christ. And if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, sadly, afraid of being ashamed of Jesus Christ, you'll also be ashamed of His servants. They were ashamed of Paul. I'm not mad at you if you've done this. I'm not mad at you. I'm not. But there are times... And and sometimes it's an oversight, but most of the time it's not an oversight. If I'm out somewhere in public and I see you, you don't introduce me as your pastor. To the strangers, strangers to me, the people you're with. Most of you do, some don't. I can't even think of anybody that hasn't done this, so I'm not thinking about you right now, but... It happens, and it happens often. You won't introduce me as your pastor to strangers or your family members. Why? Well, maybe you just overlooked it. Okay, that's cool. Are you embarrassed? Are you afraid of drawing attention to yourself? Unfaithful Christians saved. Born again, some unfaithful Christians often don't want to be associated with a faithful Christian. They're embarrassed by them, afraid they may speak out about Christ while they're near them, the gospel or truth that maybe other people, they'll be associated with them. So here we learn how to be unashamed of faithful believers. Look in verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So here's a prescription. We got a prescription how not to be ashamed of Christ. Just be a partaker. Embrace the sufferings. Know that God gave you a calling that makes you part of an epic plan. Now we learn how to be unashamed of faithful believers. 
And that's to be faithful to your calling. If you'll be faithful to your calling, none of these things will be that big of an issue. If you're not faithful to your calling, then shame comes in. Hello, do you hear, hear me? They were ashamed of Paul. If you've been appointed to live for Christ, be faithful in shame or fear of being shamed won't overcome you and defeat you. Paul was faithful to his calling. He perceived it rightly. He was appointed to the job. It wasn't based on anything that he did or he didn't do. His works, he just was appointed to this job. This is God did. God appointed Paul. Okay, well, what about you? You too, you have an appointment. We need to see it that way. It's the proper perspective. Do you keep your appointments? You need to keep this one. Most were ashamed of the Apostle Paul and forsook him. Look in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, chapter 4. Look in verse 16. At first my answer, answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Hmm. Now go back to chapter 1. I love this. This is cool. Look in verse 16 of chapter 1. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Hmm. Before he was executed. So most forsook Paul. And it wasn't, it wasn't that they didn't like him anymore. It was that, I'm not sure I want to be associated with him. I want to get as far away from him as possible, lest the same trouble happens to me. And so the reality is they're ashamed of him. But they didn't want to, well, I'm not ashamed of him. I, they were hiding from it. Do you get this theme? Are you guys getting this theme? Yeah, but not everybody, not everybody was. Onesiphorus, boy, if you don't know his story, you ought to look his name up in the Bible. He's quite an interesting character. Not everybody, but not all. Paul was arrested and imprisoned, Christians fearing for their own lives. They separated themselves from him. They didn't want to be put to shame standing by him. They didn't want any undue attention drawn to themselves, lest the same fate happen to them. This thing happens with Christians today. Some of you have Christians. Some of you have Christian friends in your life that don't want to be associated with you because you talk too much about Jesus and the Bible. You're awesome. Just count it all joy. It's not, listen, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, but you count it all joy. The shame is really on them. 
they ought not to be ashamed or afraid of being shamed. You know what? The same thing is happening right now to the nation of Israel in churches all across the country. Evangelical churches, even Baptist churches. They know that the Jews are God's people, but they're ashamed. Shame will cause you to be paralyzed in your life. They don't want to be, I don't want to speak up about it. I don't want to talk about it because it's shame. It's true. They're ashamed of the Word of God. But they wouldn't say that. I'll be honest, I have a desire to put a big fat sign out in front that says, we support Israel and the Jewish people, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I think if people drive by that enough, they'll look it up on their own. And I thought about that. And frankly, I'm not ashamed and I don't think you are. But, that would likely bring some trouble our way. And I have to think of those things. I have to assess the danger to you and your children or to our office staff that are left here during the day. I have to think about things like that. It's one thing to make the choice on your own, but a totally other thing for me to make it for you. But I'm praying about things like that. But I don't want to do that. It's just not an easy choice to make. Not to do a shame. I'm not talking about that. Not easy things to do. It's not always about that issue, but boy, there are churches that are ashamed of the Lord and his servants. And the apple of his eye, Israel. Timothy knows his calling because a team of pastors ordained him. We've looked at that already. Paul's reminding him not to be ashamed that this suffering is part of the Christian life experience. So, fulfill your calling. Just do what God wants you to do. Be faithful to the Lord. Get with it and participate with what's going on around here. And this will have less power over you. Isn't it the truth? Maybe some of you experience other Christians being ashamed of you. Maybe people in your own household. Isn't it true what your real heart is, is that they would just get with it? because then they wouldn't be. It'd be a byproduct of that. So just get with it. And then he makes one of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible concerning this issue. And I memorized this when I was first saved, and I just wanted to tell everybody about my soul and how I was saved. Not about me, but about how my soul was saved and how real Jesus was. So I was just doing all kinds of stupid, crazy things, going downtown. I, Linda and I lived in the city, and i just go to all the old bars that, were, that I used to go in, and I'd stand out in front of them, yeah, at 10 o'clock at night, not the smartest thing to do, huh? When everybody come out and they're inebriated. But I memorized this verse back then because um, people would make fun of me. And I was just newly saved, so 
people would come and take a swing at me. And I just thought, well, I can defend myself. So I was beating up people for Christ. <laughs> I told my pastor that, what was happening to me, and he's like, that is not good, Tom. And I'm like, well, I was just defending myself. Like, can't you think up of a different way to handle this? So I started taking my highly well-trained Doberman Pinscher with me. And that ended that. <clears throat> it really did, and I'm not kidding. I did. But I memorized this verse because of shame and persecution that I was suffering. And so here in verse 12, Paul makes it clear. Have confidence in the promise of God. See, because he was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, think about it. As a Hebrew Pharisee, that would have been cause for persecution and shame. And for, for fulfilling, his reward for fulfilling this appointment from the world standpoint was that he was suffering imprisonment and execution. But look what verse 12 says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For the which cause, because I'm a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for that reason, I also suffer these things. Just like stuff you're going to suffer, Timothy, or that you're going through now. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that, my soul, which I've committed unto him against that day, that day of judgment. I know whom I believed. I know I believed in Christ Jesus. And I memorized those verses, and I would say them in my heart when I would maybe do what you would think are stupid things and things that I don't generally do anymore. But I didn't know what else to do back then. I just didn't. So I just did what I could. And all, pardon me, but all hell would break loose in my life. My wife was ashamed of me at times. And I don't say that as an indictment. She was unsaved. Isn't that true, Linda? I go chasing Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses down the street. And she's just embarrassed. For fulfilling his appointment, he was suffering imprisonment and execution, but he wasn't ashamed. And this sums up his life and calling. He's not ashamed to suffer for the Lord's sake. As a matter of fact, before this even happened, here's what he said in Acts 21, 13, and we'll finish. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, not to go to jail, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He was ready to die. Now, he didn't know at the time it was going to be in Rome, but it didn't matter where it, he was ready. And people all around this world are ready to do that. Believers, this kind of a passage is very serious for a new believer in a country like India, northern India, Pakistan, where they hate Christians, where they'll kill them. He has complete assurance, as we're finishing, he has complete assurance that he's believed in the one who is able to save his soul. He has complete assurance in the one who he was worthy, counted worthy to die for. He has complete 
assurance in that. He's completely persuaded that he's saved and saved eternally. He believes everything that he just said that we just read. He committed his soul to Jesus Christ and knows on that day when the Lord appears, it'll be kept forever, safe and sound from all alarm. No more pain, no more shame, no more suffering, no more afflictions, only the love of God. So Christian, you can suffer shamelessly by following this simple prescription, and I kept it simple on your study sheet with one page. It'll be one more way, as we've read earlier, for you to bring glory to God, to make Him look good. Would you bow your heads, please? A Christian, I hope this struck a chord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope this struck a chord in your heart today. And I hope you'll stand up for Christ and, and just whatever happens. In our culture, eh, not much. But the tide is changing. Could be more of a price to pay. But whatever happens, it's just part of your calling. It's part of the plan. Maybe you're ashamed to become a Christian. Maybe you're in here right now and maybe you're watching on on the TV right now, on the live stream. Maybe you're ashamed to become a Christian. Maybe you're ashamed of what people are going to think of you. But let me ask you this. What, what about God? What, what, what's He think of you? You see, He sent His Son. God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. He sent His Son, the Son of God, to this planet to die for you. And you would deny him and reject him? Those are pretty serious things. But right now you have an opportunity to embrace him. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood, according to the scriptures, to pay the price for your sin. He was buried and he rose again three days later, according to the scriptures. And if you will admit that you need a Savior. God, I know I'm a sinner. If you'll admit that, and you'll receive Jesus. I believe the gospel. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. If you'll believe that, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me to pay the price for my sin. I, I believe he rose from the dead. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal sin bearer, as my Savior. God, save me. He'll do that if you mean that. He'll do it right now. Would you pray right now to receive Jesus Christ if you haven't? And would you do something? Would you not be ashamed? And would you tell somebody? Would you tell me, one of our other pastors, people that you're friends with? Would you tell us that you receive Christ as your Savior? I hope you'll do that today. When I pray, would you pray? Father, I do thank you for this text. I thank you for these things and for this challenge. And Father, I'm sorry that uh, sometimes uh, I feel that shame, but believing these things and trusting in this prescription always does encourage me to move forward. doesn't always remove my fear, as you know, Lord, but uh, it doesn't control me. You do. So I want to thank you for that in a practical way. I want to thank you for faithful believers. I want to thank you for the example that some of the Christians are in our church, that they've got a, 
element of faith that I just don't have, and, but I need them, and you place them in our body, so when I observe them, it helps me because they know what their call is, and they're, they're working that, and I, I so thank you for them. Pray you'd bless them and give them courage. I pray for the rest of us that we would, uh, that we would just uh, do everything better for you. Lord, I pray for the lost, that they would be saved and that we could help them. Maybe help disciple them if they would be submissive to that. We would. We'd be able to care for them personally. I pray we'd have that opportunity. I love you and I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.